Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast. I am your host, Jody Flynn, and this episode is a little bit different from our normal format. It's a recording to a LinkedIn Live I did about six weeks ago with Anna Papalia, the CEO of Shift Profile. Anna provided so much value, I wanted to make sure you had access to it and could share it with anyone who comes to mind while you're listening. In this episode, Anna and I discuss the key times in your career that impact how much money you make, the question you can ask that leads to more opportunity, the story behind the creation of Shift Profile, and the process that helps hiring managers and job applicants bring forth their best during the hiring process, the mindset that keeps women from asking for what they are worth, and to always be negotiating. If we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search for Jody Flynn on the platform. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. You'll see the follow button is prominent on my profile, but if you click on the more button that is to the right of the follow button, you'll find the option to connect in there. Click on connect and be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Avoid Being a Bargain Deal by Knowing When to Negotiate. So let me start off by giving you some stats. One stat we probably all are very familiar with is women make just 83% of what men do, and that gap is wider for women of color. And according to a new Equal Pay Day study released by Credit Karma, 31% of women say they still don't feel comfortable asking their employer for a raise. 66% of women say their current salary is holding them back from reaching their financial goals, including paying off debt and saving for retirement. And 35% of women surveyed said their low salaries were preventing them from being able to afford necessities like rent. And nearly 60% of women never negotiate their pay at all. So hello, I'm Jody Flynn. I'm a leadership development consultant and executive leadership coach. I help companies attract, retain, and promote more women into senior leadership. And I am delightfully joined by Anna Papalia, the creator of Shift Profile, an industry-leading personality assessment that teaches job seekers and hiring managers how to interview better. She's a former director of talent acquisition and a career coach, and she found Founded Shift in 2011 to empower job seekers with self-awareness and teach hiring managers that the most important business decisions are made in interviews. Anna, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Jody. It's nice to be here. Uh, such a delight. And I remember when we were introduced, a colleague of mine um, shared with me a, a video you had done about 
some thought process that people go through while they're interviewing around, should I ask for more money or should I not? And if you could, please share with everyone what that insight was. Sure. Um, well, first off, thank you for the introduction. And I need to preface it with the fact that I was a director of talent acquisition in the corporate world. I've been in HR and recruiting for a very long time. So I made lots of job offers. And I know firsthand um, how people respond to those. Um, and I'll add, you know, some more statistics here to the list that you just mentioned. Um, I would say that more than 85% of people never negotiate, um, and especially women. Um, if anyone negotiated, it would probably be, be men in those, um, in my experience. And that's anecdotal, obviously, but I think it holds to all the research that's out there. Um, I think, especially for women, if that's who we're talking about, female leaders, there is a thought process that they don't want to rock the boat, um, that they fear that if they do that, that the offer will be rescinded. They also think that if they just get the job, they're going to start working and show off and show how invaluable they are. And then they'll surely give them more money. They'll give them an increase. They'll up the salary. They'll reevaluate. And that really seldom ever happens. I think we all know this from personal experience. Your salary really sets where you are. And it has been very well researched that most of increases in the corporate world are only one to really 3%. We could say five to be very generous. So one of the biggest reasons for you to negotiate a salary going in is that this is going to set your earning potential for a very long time. So while I know that there are some uh, anxieties and nervousness about asking for more money and being weirded out or scared that they're going to rescind the offer, for me, it's well worth the risk. Also, I've never personally seen anyone get their offer rescinded by just simply saying, is this negotiable? Um, it is worth the risk and it's worth you getting over some of these anxieties because it's going to set your earning potential for the next three to five years or however long you're at that organization. So to sum up some of what you shared, you're more likely to see an increase before you start the job than you ever are after the job, because the, the increases after that are roughly between one to three, perhaps 5%. And those increase are based on your starting salary. So this is, this is why if anyone's wondering why the pay gap gets exponentially larger as we go into our careers is because it starts from that starting salary and ripples out. So, and this it's there, there are a couple cave I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead, Anna. There are a couple of caveats here. Obviously, um, one is if you get a promotion, if your job title changes, right? So what we're assuming here is if you get this job and you secure a salary and you stay in that same position for those three to five years, right? Your um, annual raises and bonuses and cost of living increases will be anywhere from one to five percent. The caveat here is if you change your job, if it's internally, you get a promotion, um, you get a change of responsibility and they reevaluate your job description, that would be different. 
and a raise could be more than obviously one to 5%. But if we're just strictly talking about a going into a new job and staying in that same position, yeah, it's going to, your money is going to stack up on that salary that you originally negotiated or didn't negotiate. Mm-hmm. And from your experience, um, it sounded like you were saying like people in talent, talent acquisition, hiring managers, they're very comfortable and expect negotiation when they're giving a job offer. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the pros for sure. I mean, if you're in HR and you're making offers, you should have been trained on how to uh, negotiate. Uh, you should be expecting a negotiation. Uh, in fact, it's a little strange when people don't negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are very simple and easy ways you can do that. I could walk you and your listeners through that if, if you think it would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Because what, one thing I also want to put out there is if negotiation is any part of the job that you're being hired for, if you don't negotiate during the interview process and the offer, it actually lands as odd for the hiring manager. Well, especially if you're in a position of power, if you're an executive, if you're going in to manage a team, it's a little strange that you just accept a job at face value. You know, one of the rules I tell all of my clients and anyone that watches any of my TikToks is never, ever, ever accept an offer the way it is, ever. Um, There are so many things that you can negotiate beyond salary, especially Mm -hmm. if they tell you, listen, this is our best offer. It doesn't mean you can't ask for other things. So first off, as a previous director of talent acquisition, I know how this is going to go. It's either going to come as an email or a phone call. They're going to make you the offer. And the first thing you should always say is, thank you so much. I really appreciate the offer. Gratitude, you know, is a great place to start. And then you simply say this one thing that's very easy. And especially if you have anxiety around how to negotiate, how to begin, I'm going to make it super easy for everyone. You simply say this one thing. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about the opportunity. I just have one question. Is this negotiable? Now, That means that this recruiter or director of talent or HR person or hiring manager is going to have to come back and say, no, it isn't. This is our best offer. Or they say, yes, well, you know, what are you thinking? Maybe we can do something for you. Now, if they say, no, it's not, you know that you've gotten your best offer. You can sleep at night. You you know you asked and this is their best offer. Now, I've had commenters write, like, what if they lie? Well, you can't control if people lie, right? But let's say that, you know, they say no. Okay. You can also ask them to negotiate. If, if they say it's not negotiable, you can say, okay, well, would you negotiate PTO or different benefits or, you know, tuition reimbursement or things like that? Mm-hmm. Now, let's imagine they say, yeah, we, we might be able to do something more for you. You know, how can we make this offer better? Let's have a conversation. You need to be prepared to have that conversation. Let's say they offered you 80, but you were really hoping for 90. You can simply say that and being very honest. Say, I was I was really hoping for 90 here. Now, what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to say, okay, um, let me run this up the corner flagpole. Let me go talk to my boss. I'll get back to you. And they're going to do that. They're going to talk to the CFO. They're going to see if there's more room in the budget, or perhaps they already know what their room is. And they may come back to you with a, an extended, expanded offer of 85. It's not 90, but it's 85. You got five more. Now is your chance to accept or decline. 
This is not a hostage negotiation because you then you can't say, well, also, okay, well, if you're only giving me 85, then I also want like free parking and all this. No, it's not a hostage negotiation. You, you have to know what you want going in. And when they come back to you, you have to know if you're going to say yes to 85 or decline it. And that's so what really- you're saying is put all your chips on the table. Like I want, I'm hoping for 90. I'd like a free parking space. I would like to work from home three days a week. And I'd like an extra week of PTO. Like every, like your whole wish list should be right up front. Yes, because put yourself in their shoes. This is a recruiter, director of talent, HR person. They have to talk to somebody else. It's very, I mean, sometimes you're talking to the person who's making the decisions. Either way, you're going to make their job easier if you tell them everything up front. These are all the things I want. It's kind of like buying a house. These are all the things I want. They get to choose what they can give you, how they can negotiate, how they can help you. And then they come back to you with an improved offer. And then you have to know if they don't give me this or if they don't meet my salary requirements, I'm going to walk or I'm going to accept if they give me any more than this, I'll be happy, whatever. Your job is to know what you want, ask for it. And if they don't give it to you, know what you're going to do. Their job is the same thing. Know what they can afford, know what they want to pay you make you a fair offer. And if they offer it to you, you know, I've been in this position being a director of talent so many times, we make our best offer and someone may decline. They may turn us down or they may shop it around. They may have other offers. So we're not always going to win either on our side of the table. Um, So it doesn't mean just because you've been made an offer, you have to accept it. There are lots of other jobs out there. There are lots of other companies. You may have other interviews going on. Um, So it's up for you to decide ultimately. Right. And depending on who is you're talking to, if it's a seasoned person, right, they they do this right on the regular, you know, that they're often hiring and doing job offers, they're not going to take it personally, right? I think sometimes as women, we worry about hurting the relationship or coming off as too greedy or yes, exactly. Like for those of you who can't see Anna's shaking her head. No, 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 no. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, it's business. You need to look at this like business. Um, I know it's harder when you, cause this triggers feelings of worthiness or unworthiness, it triggers feelings of, well, you know, I, I only have like 75% of the skills on the job description. And in your mind, you're thinking like, I I don't even know if I can really do this job. It's a stretch for me. And you're worried and you have all your own anxieties. Don't let that get in the way of you negotiating your offer. Don't, you know, this is so important that you hear me when I tell you when I was a director of talent and I made someone an offer and they said, okay, great. Like I was really hoping for 10 more. I'd be like, okay, uh, let me talk to my CFO. I'll get back to you. Click call the CFO. Like it's a job. It's a job for me. It's not my money. I mean, now I own a business and if I were paying you a salary, it still wouldn't feel personal. I mean, it would be a little bit more personal than I was when I was in the corporate world. But for most of these corporate jobs, when you are negotiating, you're not doing it with your hiring manager. It's one of the reasons why HR and directors of talent exist. We provide that different layer. So you don't have to negotiate with that person who you're going to be reporting to, right? Right. And they're trained to do these things. They are not taking it personally. In fact, I would argue that they are going to judge you more harshly if 
you don't negotiate, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that's what we talked about earlier. It may come across as odd if you're not negotiating. And also in this job market, you likely are, if they're making the job offer, you're the person they've been looking for, and you've probably beaten out other people to get to this stage of the game, right? I know, you know, we hear that statistic all the time that women don't apply for jobs unless they meet nearly all of the criteria. Whereas men, if they meet about half of their criteria, maybe less, they will, they'll give it a shot, right? So you've already been through the interview process. You've talked to the people who are going to be managing you and who know the job that you're going to be stepping into. You're having the job offer conversation for a reason. You have been chosen. And so you are welcome at that negotiating table. And it's all just part of the process. So all the stories and everything else that goes into it, right? Sometimes we can't help that that comes up for us, right? It just naturally does. It's part of conditioning, but you can have a conversation with yourself and put it aside and then do the negotiating, like be the leader that you're going to need to be in the job that you're going to take. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't stress this enough how important this is for your own levels of confidence and just something that you have to do to be a great leader. And in my mind, being a leader means that you can have difficult conversations, you can advocate for others, but you should especially be able to advocate for yourself. It is incredibly important. Um, and that's what negotiating is. Let's be honest, you're advocating for yourself. And knowing what you need, like the statistics you cited earlier of people that can't pay their own bills or their rent because of their salary, what can you control? You can control asking this question. You can control um, at least putting it out there. Now, whether or not they do it, that's up to them, like I said, but what you can control is asking. Let's take a pause here for me to check in on your leadership development. Do you know what your individual leadership development needs are? Knowing what you need as a leader is the first step to becoming more confident and competent in your leadership. I developed the Leadership Operating System Quiz for women like you. This holistic self-assessment allows you to assess your effectiveness in leading others, leading yourself, your ability to influence, your ability to manage your energy, and your communication skills. It's a way for you to quickly identify where you could focus your developmental resources. It will take you about three minutes to complete. And if you think about it, that's a quick turnaround to gain insight on what would improve your effectiveness as a leader and make being a leader easier and more enjoyable. What's your leadership operating system? Find out by visiting womentakingthelead.com to take a fun, easy leadership inventory. Every time I make a video on how to negotiate and put it on TikTok, people inevitably will comment, well, why would they give me more money? Or why would they negotiate? And I say exactly what you just said here, which is, well, they want you. Don't forget that. And as women, we have a tendency to forget this, that you beat out all these people. Usually 
when you open a job in the corporate world, you get, you know, maybe a hundred resumes and then you'll get 20 or 30 that you phone screen and then you interview five to eight. And then if you're the one, you've beat out essentially a hundred people for the job. Don't forget that. And don't forget that this hiring manager wants to fill the position and they've gone through the hiring process and they've done everything that they've done and they found you. And don't minimize that. Women have a tendency to minimize this and like think, well, I'm not that great or I should just be glad that I have this job and nice girls don't rock the boat. Don't believe any of that, right? Like they've chosen you and you need to advocate for yourself uh, in order to be a good leader. You need to have these difficult conversations, but just most importantly, you need to know that you are wanted, you are valuable, you are worthy. And this is a normal business discussion to say, is this negotiable? I was hoping for X. It is yeah. not greedy. It's not, it's not anything extra. Right. And I want to go back to the point of you need to do this so you can be the best leader that you can be, because this is the thing you need to know, like, how do you need to be compensated so you can show up as your best self? Because what can happen, and I've seen this in my career, is somebody's in the job, they've been doing it for six months or a year, and suddenly resentment starts to crop up because they're not being compensated enough or fairly to do the job that they're doing. So if you're not negotiating for the compensation package that feels good for you, right? You will eventually resent it. You won't be able to bring your best self. So in essence, when you're negotiating the job offer, you're negotiating for your team as well so that you can be the best leader for your team. And I, I would take that a step further. I mean, there is this locus of control here, right? Like no one's putting a gun to your head saying you have to accept this offer. Yes, maybe you hate your current job and you want to jump ship. <laughs> and maybe you've been undercompensated and this little bit more will be better than the previous place. But you need to stop yourself, really, truly, and ask yourself, what do you need in order to feel worthy, in order to feel as though you are well compensated for the work that you do, knowing the work that you do, knowing if you go above and beyond and knowing what type of leader you are. Is this money that they're offering you going to make you feel good? If not, don't take the job, right? Go look for other positions. We want to make sure that you feel valued and well compensated. And at the end of the day, you are the one that makes the decision to accept the job or negotiate it or look for something else. Now, right now, there are a lot of opportunities and not as much talent. So it's a pretty good time to be looking. And it depends on your industry. It depends on your level. Executive positions are always a little harder to find. And yes, you may need to take a little bit more time if you have a very specialized you know, skill set. But if you truly, in your heart of hearts, don't feel as though you will feel well compensated, you know, negotiate or look for something else because it rarely works out, right? Like we were talking about at the top of this conversation, it's this sort of magical thinking that, you know, once I get in there and show them all that I'm worth, they're going to realize they're not. That's not the way it works. 
Or they might realize you're invaluable, but they only have so much money in their pool to give their whole team. Or they make less of races. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Anna, you talked about like, you know, there are exceptions to the rule. There are other places on your career path where you can negotiate typically when you're getting a promotion or a new role. Is there anything that changes in negotiation when you hit those milestones? When you hit what, what milestones? So say you're offered a promotion and it's one you've really wanted, right? It's a huge honor and you're ecstatic, but a lot of people don't realize it's just like another offer is on the table. But does anything change at that point? When you're negotiating a promotion salary, I think what changes is they then know you. You know, they know your work product, so you can leverage that even more. If you've worked hard enough to get a promotion, you can be even a little bolder, you know, and they need you. You're a known entity. Um, you know the system from the inside, you know what comp packages look like from a better angle. Because when you're new to the organization and outside, you don't really know what other people have and get. So don't be afraid to be bold. You know, the, the world, you know, really, um, uh, you know, responds to bold choices and bold questions. So if you're getting a promotion and you know that the peers, that these people that will be your new peers have, you know, unlimited PTO and a free parking space and an expense account and all these things, and it's not in your offer, ask, why isn't it? I know those people have that. Why wouldn't my offer reflect the same, right? right? Ask these questions. And if you're feeling hesitant or anxious about it, instead of saying, I want a free parking spot, I'm just using this as an example, or I want a sign-on bonus, or I want more PTO, instead you could be curious. You know, I understand that these roles often come with X, Y, and Z. I want to make sure mine does as well. That's advocating Mm -hmm. for yourself. Right. So it sounds like you can be a little more direct. I love the three magic words for the job offer. Is this negotiable? But when you're a known entity, you can kind of just go in and go with the thought, this is negotiable. If other people have other things, this is negotiable. Well, they're again, they're going to probably lead with an offer, even if it's great. Let's go in that direction. What if this offer blows your mind? What if it's amazing? What if you were hoping for 100 and they offer you 150? you should still say, is this negotiable? And that's almost harder for people because they're like, but this is, who cares? Listen to me. When I promise, I tell you this, I promise you, if someone's making you an offer, they still have money in their back pocket. Always. No one is making you an offer without having money in their back pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, in the hundreds, maybe thousands of offers that I made in the corporate world, I would say that there were there were a small handful of offers where I knew that with the person we were recruiting, they were already at the top of our range. And I would say to them, I am making you our very best offer. I cannot go up from here. This is what it is. So they knew that I wasn't lying. I wasn't BSing like you know, we we have a salary range of 60. You're already making 57. All I can offer you is 60 right now, right? And like, that's for you to decide if that's what you want. 
But if they don't say that, if they don't give you this kind of lecture or talking to or introduction to your offer, if they don't say this is our very best offer, some companies will say we don't negotiate. Then if that's the case, obviously don't ask. But even if they make you an amazing offer, you should still say, is this negotiable? Ask Mm -hmm. for more PTO, ask for a sign-on bonus, ask for more salary. They always have more, always. Mm -hmm. Yes. And as you're saying this, what comes to mind is the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, where he talks about the upper limit problem, where we're like, oh my goodness, this is too good. I don't deserve this, or I can't live up to this. That was one of my mindset issues. Like, I can't ask for more than this because I can't deliver more than this, right? I completely attached what I perceived as my value to a number and I didn't negotiate any higher because I was just so grateful, right? So grateful to be offered what I'm offered. But it's almost like we have to, well, one, work on our mindset issues as they're coming up, but two, just get into the practice of it, right? You can you can act even with your mindset issues going on. Like, God, this is such a great offer. Why would I do this? Do it anyway, is what you're recommending. Yeah, I want, it can be both and. That's fine. You can still think, oh shit, am I really going to be good at this job? And having your own feelings of anxiety, we all do, right? That's Mm -hmm. fine. You can still feel that way and still negotiate. Mm -hmm. Don't let it get in your way of all of your future earning potential. Don't let it cap you. That moment of insecurity, don't let that paralyze you for the next few years that you're going to be at this company. It can be both and. We can, as Glenn and Doyle say, we can do hard things. We can be nervous and act. We can be scared and ask. We can do all of this thing at the same time. Like you can be bold while quivering in your boots. (laughs) No one's going to know. No one's going to know that you're nervous and your your knees are shaking under the table. No one's going to know. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many stories I've uh, heard recently of women in very powerful positions who have shared, like, people think I've got it all together. People think I'm fearless and all of that stuff. And truth be told, I have doubts every day. I stand up in front of a crowd and I wonder what I'm doing there, right? We we feel those feelings and we act courageously. And Anna, before we get into the shift profile, I also want to, you know, note that for women who are, you know, you've already accepted the job offer, you are where you are, you know, the salary and compensation budget is what it is. But don't forget, there are other opportunities to get to get more things and get more compensation, but it comes in a different direction. It could be leadership development, it could be going to conferences, things of that nature. Don't forget that in your job, you can also gain opportunities to increase your skill set and get the support that you need. So Anna, I want to hear more about the shift profile. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us about what that what that is and what it does for job seekers and hiring managers. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak about it. Um, so I've been talking about previously, I was a director of talent acquisition. I spent 10 years in HR uh, recruiting and interviewing thousands of people. And uh, in 2011, I left my corporate job because I just had this 
calling, this feeling that I wanted to teach both job seekers and hiring managers how to interview better. And having been on the corporate side and on the hiring side of the table, the interview table, I realized that we don't have any tools backed in science and research, and we don't have a formalized language on how we teach people how to interview. Uh, I worked at Temple University's Fox School of Business for 12 years, and in the first five six years, I developed a framework and I started to think, you know, why are some of these students not getting it? Or if I'm telling everyone to interview like this, why isn't it really clicking? And I realized that interviewing, teaching people how to interview, there's a problem. Not only do we not have a formalized language, but we also have a tendency to just tell people to do it the way we do it, right? Um, be extroverted, get their 15 minutes early, you know, tell good stories, sell yourself. But I started to realize that these um, tips weren't landing with some people, with my clients, with my students. So I started conducting research and I had a light bulb moment and I realized that what if we don't all interview the same way? What if it's more based on our levels of introversion and extroversion and our personality rather than just this is something you just all should do the same way? So that led me down two years of collecting research at Temple and I found that exactly that. We have interview styles. There are four primary interview styles. You're either a charmer, a challenger, an examiner, or a harmonizer. And all of those have two nuances. So you can go to my website, shiftprofile.com, and take our interview style assessment and receive a 40-page customized interview prep workbook for hiring managers or job seekers. And my goal and my intention in my business is to teach everyone to interview better from a more meaningful place. Meaning I'm not telling you, Jody, hey, do all these things that I do because I'm a charmer in interviews and you may be an examiner and our wires are going to get crossed and the way that you make an impression is much different than the way I make an impression. So one of the ways I hope to revolutionize the way we talk about this and the way we do this is by starting that real conversation that if you're interviewing as a hiring manager someone and you think, meh, I didn't really click with them, maybe it has more to do with their interview style and less to do with how they do the job. For example, you know, charmers go into interviews wanting to be liked. Challengers go into interviews wanting to be heard. They want to be themselves. Examiners go into interviews wanting to get it right, like it's a test that they're going to pass or fail. And harmonizers go into interviews wanting to adapt. They look at it like an interview, like a tryout for a team that they want to join. So if we have this basic understanding of how we all interview both hiring managers and job seekers, we now have a language to talk about it. We have customized reports that let us know. As a charmer, you prioritize getting someone to like you. So you may use stories and compliments to win someone over. But your wires may get crossed if you're interviewing with an examiner who only wants to talk about facts, figures, data, and their qualifications, and they don't talk about, they don't want to make a connection, and they don't go into an interview wanting to be liked. They go into an interview wanting to be seen as qualified. And that sets everyone up for different experiences. This is my hope for how we revolutionize how we teach people to interview. And one last thing here, I, I know I'm going on and on, I'm so passionate about this, but yeah. 90% of hiring managers are never trained to interview. That means that they have all the power and no training. And this is one of the things 
that I hope to change in my company using this framework. So we sell this to colleges all across the country, career development programs. We sell it to corporations so we can train hiring managers to do exactly what I'm talking about. I sell it to, you know, private individuals through my website. Um, I share TikTok tips all the time on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram because my mission here is that we change the conversation about how we interview. And I have a book coming out in spring 2024 called The Four Interview Styles, The New Science of Interviewing. And that's my goal. This is my intention. And I hope that it gives people um, real pragmatic tips and help on how to interview in a more meaningful way so they feel seen, validated, and understood. And I'm not just telling them, hey, do this to get the job. It's not about that. It's about how do you show up authentically? How are you you? I don't, if you're an introvert, I don't want you to pretend to be an extrovert in interviews. And that's what the shift profile will tell you. Your levels of introversion and extroversion in interviews, um, how you come across, uh, your approach and style, things like that. Yes. And I love that you are passionate about this because in just, I'm, speak more to people on the hiring manager side. I can't even tell you how many leaders say this is one of the most anxiety inducing decisions in their business. You even said that the most important decision you make is in the interviews um, because they want to get it right. They want to have the right person and they want to set the right person up for success in the job. And it's done in the interview and in onboarding. And the number of leaders who've said, like, I can't get it right because I've made bad decisions in the past. It always felt like the code that couldn't be cracked, right? How do you do this well? So having more tools and information and research on this very subject is so key. So I love that. Anna, thank you so much again for joining me and for sharing all your wisdom and expertise um, here. And just for those who are watching and listening, I'm just going to leave you with a with a little tagline. Always be negotiating. I love it. Thank you so much, Jody. This was fun. What were your takeaways from my conversation with Anna? Have you ever thought I'll wait to ask for more money when I've proven how valuable I am? I know I have. Head over to LinkedIn to share your thoughts and takeaways on the posts corresponding with this episode. I would love to hear what stood out most for you. And if your last promotion has you experiencing and confronting challenges you haven't faced before, consider working with me. I would love to support you through this transition, help you get your bearings, and feeling confident in your leadership once again. You can find a link to schedule a time to chat with me in the episode description. If you're listening through a mobile device, that link will be in your podcast app. And if you're listening through the Women Taking the Lead website, the link will be toward the bottom of the episode webpage. If you're going to ask your company to sponsor you to work with a coach, there's also a link to access a checklist that will help you prepare for the conversation. As always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success.